Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And yeah, I've got back one of my favorites, uh, Joshua Perry. Uh, J Jep037 is his email. Uh, Jep037, Joshua Perry. Thanks for joining the uh, Tim May Show again, my man. Always good to be on. Uh, hell of a college football season. A lot of topics to get into. Yeah. Number one, did the did the did the correct team win the national championship for 2023? It's not really hyphen 2024. It's 2023 slash 24. Did the right team win the national championship, Michigan? I think it's I think it's hard to argue. Uh, right, like I I think Michigan was the most consistent team. Um, in generally one of the best teams week in and week out. Um, I think that you could look at other teams and maybe say that, um, you know, on their best day, uh, they could beat a Michigan team. And I'm not going to sit here and argue with you um, because I think maybe even on Washington's best day, the way that Michigan played for uh, a long stretch in that game outside of the, the first quarter, really, they might have been able to pull it off. But what Michigan has done extremely well all year long is play a consistent game, lean into their identity, and find ways to play winning football. They tackle well. They block well. Um, you know, they they don't make a ton of critical errors that other teams do. And yeah. so, you know, we can we can do the back end and forth in about the talent and, and you know, if you if if we did this and if we did that. Yeah. But the issue is Michigan's better at the, we're just not going to make those little mistakes that are ifs for you, and we're going to win football games, and they won 15 of them this year. Yeah, and number two, you know, I don't know, how, you know this is going to sound like an absurd statement, but I I really under undervalued, underestimated how good they were on defense. I mean, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I just watched them take – you know, Ohio State and Maryland were the only two teams to score 24 points on them. Yep. The only one to score 20 was Alabama. That was an overtime game, but Alabama didn't score in the overtime. But the point was, other than that, you know, it's that in this age of modern offensive football, uh, the way you can do all kinds of things, et cetera, they just made plays, man. They just made that one sack, that one hit, that one whatever you want to call it that just disrupted drives. And there's a, you know, I'm not going to get into the, I'm not going to get into the uh, counter stallions aspect of it because uh, that will be determined at a later date, but past that, after we got past that, I'm not sure that was the wrong way of putting it. I'm not sure we're ever going to get past that, but right. after that was found out, uh, 
but the way that that team played defense consistently all year in the age of offense, I think was quite impressive. Do you agree? Yes. And the thing that you start to realize about their defense, and I said early, like early, early in the year, maybe like four or five weeks in that I thought it was the best defense in the country. The thing that you realize about them is they don't get out of position a lot where, you know, these offensive coordinators, I think, do a really good job of yes. manipulating the pieces. And for the most part, they don't get out of position. Now, there were some opportunities where they did, but you have to execute every time you get them. You don't get very many. No. Um, and Washington certainly didn't take advantage of them. I know there were some of them out there for Ohio State that they didn't take advantage of. And Michigan's not going to give you a lot of meat on the bone in terms of mistakes that they make. The yeah. other thing that stands out to me is they understand angles. So uh, they run well and uh, they tackle extremely well. There were multiple opportunities where Washington had a matchup that they liked one-on-one, -on -one, whether they were dragging somebody underneath, whether they had a quick hitch out mm -hmm. to the flat, uh, whether it was a, a speed out route. In Michigan's guys just tackled out there, especially in the secondary, the ability to tackle. There was uh, one big play screen. I think it might have been uh, might have been Roma Dunze, one of them, screaming down the field. Yeah. And Rod Moore comes from the secondary. It makes a squared up tackle on a guy in space and even makes the ball wiggle a little bit. And yeah. most safeties would have missed that tackle. And that's the difference for them is yeah. they have played extremely fundamental on either side of the ball, but it stands out on defense because then they don't make mistakes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm giving it up to them on that. I'm not giving it up to them on the other part. You know, we'll see. We'll see how history judged them. You know, you and I are part of uh, writing history. Now you're a former player uh, who played real quickly. Guess uh, your initial cut on history, Michigan 2023 national champion, what will stand out? What what will always be there when you remember the 2023 Michigan football team? You know what I'm talking about as the national champion. Will there always be – somebody said the other day there's going to be a subtitle. I think it was Reese Davis, a subtitle, yeah. not an asterisk, you know, because who knows? Who knows what prior knowledge did for them, right? Because right. they played pretty well on defense when supposedly they didn't have it, you know. Um how will you what what will what will Joshua Perry's uh footnote or subtitle or asterisk mean with the uh 2023 Michigan football team? I, I think it's gonna be twofold for me is um I think that it's gonna be hard for me to separate out what happened during the season, what was found out to have happened over the last couple of years yeah. in their pursuit of this title. Um, I'm also very much in the the frame of mind of well, you still got to line them up and you still got to make the plays, right? Like, you know, we used to, when we played at Ohio State defensively, we ran basically one coverage like 70% of the time and teams knew exactly what it was, but you had to be able to find a way to block Joey Bosa and you had to be able to find a way to block, um, you know, Michael Bennett. You had to be able to find a way to block Darren Lee and, and Curtis Grant and all them guys, right? Like, yeah. so I, I get it. Um, that'll That'll sit in the back of my mind. But here's the other thing that really stands out to me is they basically had a locker room full of dudes that said, we're going to run it back for this very purpose. And I think that includes their head football coach because he was he was taking the Vikings job for folks yeah. that don't know. Like that job was his, locked and loaded, ready to go. He was getting on the plane, take the job. And, you know, they had a little 
backroom conversation about some things that they wanted to make sure they were on the same page about. And Jim Harbaugh kind of does this thing where maybe he runs, rubs people the wrong way a little bit and ends up back at Michigan. But the idea was that all of them were back to win a championship. Like Quorum came back to win a championship. You had dudes on that offensive line that were back to win a championship. You know, you had uh, some of the veteran guys on defensive side of the ball that were back there to win a championship. And with 44 seniors on that roster that wanted to be there for one more ride so they could do it, they did it. And I think it's very, very powerful because on the championship team I was on, I think we did have a very motivated group of seniors because they hadn't won anything significant the whole time we were at Ohio State. The guys who were seniors in 14, they were freshmen the year that Ohio State lost to Michigan. They were sophomores the year that we had the bowl ban and couldn't play in postseason. They were juniors uh, the year where we lost in Big Ten Championship to Michigan State in 13 and then lost to Clemson in the bowl game. And so they were like, we have not won any. Like, they they beat Michigan a couple of times, but, like, they didn't have hardware. There were no rings for those guys, really. And they wanted to go out and do it the right way. That's important. The other part that's important, we're a really close and connected team. And for all of its faults this year, that Michigan team was connected as hell. And I think that makes a huge difference. Hey, I said this the other day on a LettermanRoe.com video we did. I said the interesting thing is Michigan won that game, that that game in January on that one day. Ohio State right now is intent on winning the month of January the way – I mean, they've gotten some uh, transfer portal pieces, which are huge. Will Howard, the quarterback from Kansas State. You know, Seth McLaughlin, the – the erstwhile center from the Alabama game, Alabama team, but th- this guy can play. I mean, yeah, he you know, can. I, I definitely would put him at guard, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, just you know what I'm saying. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, right on down the line, they've gotten some major pieces. They've gotten some major pieces returning. You know, as we speak, a lot of uh, decisions are going to be made in the next couple of days about some other guys too. But uh, a lot of negotiating. Yeah, yeah, whatever you call it these days, you know, it's not just pondering. For sure, no, it's not. Right? It's not. Uh, but it looks like you know, I remember reading this tweet the other day where somebody said uh, Ryan Day lost his locker room. I go, when you have this many pieces coming no. back, deciding no. to come no. back and take another shot, that is that is just the most simplistic, stupid thing to ever say because it looks like they're hell bent. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I need to get in on that because I've been as critical of my alma mater and of uh, Coach Day down the the last couple of games yeah. as anybody. And it's not because I dislike him or that I'm at the place where I'm like, we need to fire Ryan Day because the record's there. And I, I think they have been this, you know, it's going to be the the whole excuses, whatever thing. But like, you know, you, you look at things in retrospect a little bit and it starts to clear up the thought process of the margins are really difficult to be successful in. And that's basically where they're playing right now, neither here nor there. The one piece of slander that I won't allow people to to run with is that Ryan Day has lost his locker room or that there's been this, uh, you know, he he has created this, this culture issue in the locker room because there are too many guys that want to be there. And there yeah. are too many guys that said, I have enough pride that I want to win something significant while I'm at Ohio State. And I don't think you get there with a guy who has lost the locker room. I think that, you know, there, there are certainly things that probably need to turn up, right? More honest conversations, a little bit more pressure in there. It's perfectly fine. But the idea that these guys don't respect him or whatever the case is, I just don't think that you have players that are ready to be paid NFL real money 
that would just be like, nah. Or guys who could say, you know what, I'm going to transfer somewhere else where I think we actually have a chance to do something significant. I don't think you get those guys to be in that locker room. Yeah. Is Syracuse one of those places? No, I'm just checking. Boy, you can get me in trouble today. No. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just amazing because I, I really think, I really think cream rises to the top. I mean, I really, I do you know, too. And I think you, you know, in the in the pasteurizing process, things happen. You know, people stay, people go, et cetera. And uh, in this modern age, uh, I, I I like the way this team is shaping up. Uh, from the, I mean, you you got a guy coming in who might as well be a transfer portal guy, Jeremiah Smith. I mean, Boy. this guy, this freshman wide receiver, just oozes looks the part right off the right out of the gate i mean this team has improved itself in my opinion over the last month and i i don't know will howard what's just your take on him what you know you i know you keep up with with throughout college football and stuff this kid has played at a pretty high level at kansas state and helped that team and helped elevate that team what is your take i mean it looks like coming in he is he is your ipso facto starting quarterback just based on a lot of factors, one of which is the guy who started the Cotton Bowl is is hurt right now. You know, but go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a good move. I, I have always been on the bandwagon. I've been extremely adamant about the idea that regardless of whether this guy was going to start or not, um, Ohio State always had to bring in um, – a transfer portal quarterback. I think it would have been a bad way to manage the team to not have another dude, a veteran guy in particular, that you had in there with the intention of competing, right? Like it's not, yeah. hey, I'm going to bring you in. I'm going to give you the job. Um, it's I'm going to bring you in and we're all going to compete and see who can become the best here because I feel like that type of environment really helps. Now, what does he have? He's a guy who I think has a very strong arm. He's a guy who also can get the ball out of his hands quickly, get it to the edges to his playmakers. Um, he is a guy who is a willing runner, which I think is important. And that's what we saw with Devin Brown. And we know that's his game. And he's a little bit banged up because of it, but that's his game 100%. And even uh, Lincoln Keenholz to a certain degree, like he's a guy who can move around a little bit, right? And yeah. so I think that now you have similar quarterbacks all in that room that are competing for a job as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive philosophy, um, you're kind of carved out now and and, and you can make a, a singular playbook. Whereas I felt like last year, it was a little bit of a, a, a pull stylistically between, you know, if Kyle's going to be the guy and if Devin's going to be the guy, we can open up some things here, but we have to close off some things there. Yeah. I don't think you have that issue anymore. I think Will Howard needs to be much better when it comes to protecting the football. Um, the interception numbers, certainly have been too high. Um, I think you can also elevate him with the talent that he'll be playing with. We haven't even talked about what the hell the running back room is going to look like, but it yeah. seems like it's going to be pretty good. The wide receivers, I think there's some young guys in that room that still need to develop, and we also have some elite high-end talent that they're working with. Like I, I think it was a, a really wise move, regardless of if he's a, the starting quarterback or not, he brings an edge to that room that I think is extremely valuable. And um, I, I also believe that uh, he's a conference champ, right? Yeah. And uh, we don't, we don't have a, a, a lot of conference champs running around in the building. <laughs> yeah. and, and I only, I only, I only say it. No, I don't say it to, to disparage. I say it because I think it's it. a big no, I'm just joking. Yeah. To, to, to have somebody yeah. who's, who's done what you're trying to do. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent, man. I mean, it isn't it amazing, uh, Joshua, that we're sitting here 
and it seems like it's just been a blink of an eye, but Ohio State hasn't been to the Big Ten championship game in three straight years. I mean, that's just it's been a while, man. I mean, it's it's stunning. Hey, by the way, Quinchon Judkins, Judkins, I mean, left left Ole Miss, you know. I think he left Ole Miss. I think the conversation was, you're using me way too much. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, the running back uh who's now in the Ohio State fold and the guy's produced, but boy, they've put a lot of they've taken a lot of you know the old saying they've taken a lot of tread off that tire the last two years i think 545 carries in the southeastern conference you yeah. know that's a lot of carries i don't care where you're playing you know big sky but uh yeah but, but this guy has proven himself to be tough to be worth it and if they get uh we still haven't heard as we record this whether trevion henderson is coming back but if yeah. he's back and then you add dallin hayden that's a hell of a running back room you're right yeah, no, I think it's going to be ridiculous. And uh, I know there's been some conversation about jobs and 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 who may be on the the chopping block and who may be back for Ohio State. And we saw some movement um, earlier in the week. And the one thing I will say yeah. is uh, I would be I would be disappointed to see Tony Alford leave that building. And yeah. I think he is a developer. Um, I think he recruits extremely well. And I know people point to his misses, but um, in his most recent misses have been because teams are throwing out desperation and I owe money and not because he can't actually close because I'm sure if you got those kids in a room and ask them straight up, who, which relationship did you value? Where'd you really want to go? They would tell you exactly where they really wanted to be. Yeah. And I think his room has always told us that guys want to be there. Yeah, dudes aren't transferring out left and right necessarily, and I think he's done a really good job with Trey. And the the idea that he's even entertaining coming back is crazy. The fact that Dallin Hayden is in that room still is yeah. is a, a I mean, like most dudes would have transferred by now. Dallin Hayden has not played a lot, but you know what? He trusts Tony Alford, and his family trusts Tony Alford, and Tony tells him the truth, and yeah. he's going to get him better. Yeah, and so yeah. now. You put Judkins back there in an offense that's going to be um, situated for him to where the other talent opens up those running lanes. And to your point, he doesn't have to get a billion carries for to to really pop. And we saw what Trey did, too, because yeah. um, all you need is a little seam when you're one of those guys. And this yeah. offense opens them up for you. Um, super excited about what that room could be. Yeah, it's. I, I you know I've heard the same things you've heard about you know the running back coach situation. I, and that one, that one just hit me sideways. Like uh, this guy, number one, I really like Tony Alford. You know, I'll be truth in advertising. I really like him. You know, and uh, and then number two, what 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 are we talking about here? And uh, you know, uh, Ryan hadn't played his cards yet, or hadn't put his cards on the table yet. But uh, it does. Uh, it, all indications are he's going to hire an offensive coordinator, uh, and you know. I just keep thinking about that conversation uh, during uh, the last press conference we had for the Cotton Bowl. He and Eli Drinkwitz are sitting there next to each other, and Eli's talking about how Coach Drinkwitz is talking about how stubbornly, even pridefully, he kept yeah. wanting to call the plays, you know, and do things. And finally, he stepped back and had this epiphany: like, <clears throat> I'm the head coach, uh, I'm the <clears throat> the CEO, I'm I'm the guy that's the connection between us and the school, us and the uh, alums, us and the former. I mean, what are all these other duties he has? other than calling plays, which distracted really from that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And it sure looked like Ryan Day was paying close attention, you know, as I'm watching him, like, you know, cause he tried to do that a year ago about this time. Like, Hey, I'm going to step back and stuff. And Brian Hartline, I'm going to, I'm going to make him a, uh, the offensive coordinator. And we all thought that meant call plays. And he kind of indicated that might be the case, but you know, Brian, 
I, no, I he hadn't even been the like, office coordinator yet, much less called plays. And that well, didn't that work. That was always going to be difficult with Hartline, though. And this is not to, to knock yeah. the guy, but I feel like, you know, it's it's like Ryan Day coming in, stepping in as a head coach at Ohio State when you've never been a head coach before. It's a very difficult job, and there are things that you learn on the job, and we're seeing that as fans. Yes. And for Brian Hartline is a guy who who hasn't been in the coaching profession for a long time, but um, obviously has done a really good job as a position coach. That step into being a coordinator is is difficult. It's not like everybody just calls plays and, and they're great at it right away. Like it's a skill yes. and, and a bit of an art that has to be <clears throat> developed. And so the idea that he was just going to pass the the the, the call time. sheet to Brian Hartline and um, you know it was going to be a smooth transition, I thought was a little bit uh, foolish for fans to just think that it was going to happen overnight like that. And yeah. So I think. I agree. There has to be a collaboration on offense, but for Ryan Day, I do think it makes a ton of sense to bring in a veteran guy who has called plays before, and that guy can also be a mentor to a guy like Brian Hartline better than Ryan Day could as a head coach who has to oversee the whole program, right? Yeah. And so, like, I think everybody becomes much better when you have that offensive coordinator in the building. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, you know Ryan uh, – you know, you know, Ryan pretty well. I know him pretty well. I mean, three points. <clears throat> I don't care who was playing quarterback, who was, I mean, that just had to just gut him. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the other team only scored 14 and you got beat by 11 points. Yeah. It had to gut him. Uh, I mean, uh, do, do you see a big rebound? Come? What's your sense right now about this Ohio state team as we sit here, you know, in January, middle of January, do you, do you sense a rebound coming or the, do you, you know what I mean? What I'm asking like four different things at once because we don't even know what the offensive staff's going to look like yet. Right. Uh, or whether it'll stay the same, you know, who right. knows? Uh, but what's your sense of that? Well, I, first off, and, and I think for, uh, for Ryan day right now too, it's probably like really tough to want to give up play calling if that was your last performance. And especially uh, when a lot of people are trying to tell you that you're on notice in terms of your job security, like there's, there's a mentality that I think a lot of guys would take that says, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out being me, right. I'm not going to go out because somebody else couldn't call the plays. Right. And so like, th this is a, a big hire for him and a big decision if he does make that hire. Um, and so I just wanted to, to preface with that, but that's a yeah, good I, point I, though. <laughs> I, I think there there has to be a rebound. I think that's where Ryan Day is is focused. Um, I think that there is an uh, alignment that is created, uh, has been created. And I just want to point to some of the, the guys out of the portal. I think that they're good portal pickups. I also think that these guys are not free. Um, and so I know that there were some other elements in terms of name, image, and likeness that were involved to get these deals to happen, but you have to have alignment and everybody in the same direction and people invested in the success of the program for that to happen. So good to see that. Uh, like I said, uh, the coaching staff move that was already made with Perry Eliano, and there are more that we anticipate will be made. This is a guy who's saying, listen, I'm going to do what I got to do. Uh, he's got the game coming back. So it feels like that's a good thing talked about Michigan before they're losing 44 seniors you're playing in Columbus this feels like a year where it has to get done and you probably got to look good doing it yeah um and so I think the idea is there has to be a rebound here and you're coming from a place now too where I'm I was looking at some of the two early top 25s and uh, a lot of them have Michigan ahead of you still with all their losses, and they have Oregon ahead of you in the Big Ten. So now you can start to play the underdog. They they only think we're as good 
as the third place team in the conference. And what are we going to do about that narrative? Because they're not giving us the respect that we were getting. Cause I think the last couple of years they were Ohio state was getting ranked pick preseason number one in the big 10 off of the strength of the name. Yeah. And not necessarily what was actually happening around the conference. And now they're not getting that benefit of the doubt. And I'm curious if they can parlay that into some sort of motivation, because if it's me as a player, I'm like, man, hell not. We got some of the best players in America. Uh, We got dudes coming back. Our defense was much better. We feel like we were, we, and, and now this is where you start playing with the narratives, six points away on the road against the national champs. And they don't want to respect us right now. Like I'm doing all of those different things, but I'm leaning into the fact 100% that this is not, this is not Ohio State's conference anymore. So what are you doing about that in the locker room is yeah. going to be my mantra of the offseason. Yeah, yeah. But otherwise, you have no opinion. <laughs> no opinion. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, you know how much I like you, Joshua. Just um, Two other quickies before you go, because uh, I always, always um, appreciate these moments with you. Uh, that sounded a little too personal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The, the two, I want to talk about the Big Ten, and then I want to talk about no, no I want to talk about the NCAA. I want to talk about Big Ten finally. Uh, Charlie Baker, they're having this, you know, obviously they're having their annual uh, NCAA conference, etc. On the table is this revamped possible? I call it the revamped, uh, you know, acquiescence to the uh, Power Five or the Power Five, uh, whatever's left of the Power Five major college football teams that want a different way of uh, doing things, et cetera. Uh, they're dealing with uh, ramifications if they do do some things with uh, what it'll mean in Title IX realm, which is important. Um, my wife was a college athlete at Ohio State, a high jumper. She benefited from Title IX, et cetera. So I'm not going to ever poo-poo that idea. Um, Tim, I did not know that. Yeah. That I was married? Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, I'm, I'm a big track and field guy. That's like, that was yeah. my first love. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I'll let you meet my wife one of these days. She, she, had, one of these days. she, she had really five you foot 10, which was forever, a big, but right? which was Ohio state and big 10 record for a while, for a long while actually, but, uh, well, just man. back in the late seventies, but, um, but I digress. Um, Charlie Baker's put forth a deal. One part of the plan is $30,000 per player on basically teams that want to or programs that want to be a part of the the big timer club for one of another term the elite club whatever they're going to call it i'm sure they'll have a velvet rope to keep guys in and you know let guys in and keep guys out uh but uh what, what's your take on thirty thousand dollars a year for your average college major college football player uh you know you and i were talking about this truth and advertising before we started but uh some people have some misconceptions about what guys are really getting out there at the moment, don't they? Yeah, they do. Um, I think, first off, $30,000 a year for me would have been a, a little bit of a game changer. Um, and it's not that, you know, I, I didn't have all the things I needed as a collegiate athlete, but the idea of being able to, you know, get a head start on some things and, and to to be able to capitalize on what I was doing uh, that occupied majority of my time. That was my biggest focus when I was in school. Um, supposed to be an academic enterprise, but we know yeah. what this enterprise really is. I think that would have been a huge deal. Um, I, I think that there are a lot of guys right now that wish that they had $30,000 a year. 
I'll, I'll put it like that. Like if we're talking about baseline to get in the door at even some of these big programs, the number ain't $30,000 a year. I'm like the basic NIL deal. Uh, yeah. And I, I think people need to know that. Like there are only a handful of athletes at some of the biggest brands or that have big brands on their own that are making, um, you know, uh, seven figure NIL deals. There, there are, uh, you know, maybe more, but not a ton yeah. of people that are making six figure deals and a six figure deal might just be a hundred thousand dollars period. Um, I'm not talking about a half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars for some of these players, um, athletes, and this is across all sports. And so I think it is big. I think it's a, a, a great commitment for universities to make when this thing happens, if it happens, um, that you're going to invest in your athletes and share, uh, with them and pay them directly, um, through NIL and, also, it still opens up the opportunity that everybody else has to to do the big NIL deals and to you know work with collectives uh, potentially because I don't think they're going away. Yeah. Um, but the idea here is that ninety uh, percent plus of the athletes that you love ain't out there making a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. They're not out there making a uh, hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Some of your favorite athletes that you're watching right now not even making $25,000. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that 30, that 30 K is going to be a big deal. Yeah. I wish we could have a clearing house, which would tell us, you know, cause I mean, it's hard to even for me to even find out how much guys at Ohio state are, are, I think, I think they should, I think they should make a, a, exactly what you said. I think every deal should be, uh, should be, yeah. Because I know they have to, they have to report what they're doing a lot of times for compliance purposes anyway. Yeah. Publish it. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting, though, that uh, a lot of figures are thrown out, but are those guys are actually getting it? You know, I mean, a lot of figures are thrown out during recruiting, during transfer portal time, et cetera. Uh, I feel like we forgot about Jaden Rashada, just as a side note. And I don't know if people are familiar with his recruitment, but he was in there with Florida and Miami. And, um, you know, yeah. the, one of them offered him $9 million. The other one said, we're going to pay you 13 He gets on campus. So whichever one that he uh, eventually signed with, and they said, oh, actually, we ain't got it. And yeah. what people don't realize far, about these, go ahead. Yeah, yes, good. yeah, and I and what people don't realize about these collectives is uh, they're they are offering up and promising money that they don't necessarily have right now. Yeah, they pay these deals out in installments. Hey, we're going to pay you on uh, you know January whatever, and then we're going to pay you uh, on June whatever, and they go throughout the year, and this is what they do. But they 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 do not have the money in the bank necessarily today, and yeah. so we're offering goodwill and hope to a lot of these young people that we're going to be able to come through with our fundraising and people are going to continue to give us money in an ecosystem, mind you, where I'm not sure that the the amount of, of value that's attached to the deal is actually being generated. Some of these people are given money because they love the program and they want good players, not because they get anything out of it. Yeah. And, and what's going to happen for Miami, for example, when they eventually don't win at the level they think they should be winning at, people are going to stop giving them money because yeah. they're not getting very much out of it. And so I just want people to understand what's really going on behind the scenes with this thing. Yeah, it's, it's Luke Fedlam and I, you know, local attorney, great guy. You know, Luke. Luke's uh, my guy. Yeah. I mean, as we pointed out, you got to give this thing, you got to give this carnival ride about three to five years just to figure out, you know, what is true, meaning – where, where, where does everything settle? Just like you just pointed out when you're not getting your bang for your buck, uh, you're, you're not going to be 
you're not going to be prone to like keep giving your buck and stuff. Here's the thing I want to get before, before I ask you about the Big Ten again. Well, what? Why do you think it's so hard for the NCAA to wrap its head around? By the NCAA, I mean all the institutions to wrap their head around because this is pay for play, no matter how you square it off. But to wrap their head around making college football players, college basketball players, the ones the ones that bring in the big bucks at a lot of these schools making them employees why is that so difficult do you think is it hanging on to tradition is it do you, are you looking because they've already kicked the can so far down the road that they've lost control of nil stuff because that stuff is law you you have the right to do this stuff in these states not whether not a rule it's a right and uh why can't the way they can grasp this is is to me, I'm I'm recruiting Joshua Perry. You're a wide-eyed 17-year-old. I'm going to sign you to a contract, which is totally different from signing signing you to a name to an NLI uh, NLI national letter of intent. Because now I have you are my employee. You know, and I have more control over you. I'm paying you, but you're my employee now, and I can tell you what you can and can't do for the most part. Right? Why is it so hard for the for the NCAA to get to? And do you think it'll get to that point? Yeah, it's, I think it's a really interesting question, um, and I think a lot of it is the traditional structure of the way that um, academics and athletics have been tied together. And I think Tradition. that we're getting we're getting further away from that. Um, I think the NCAA also, like for all its faults, has um, built a system that tries to protect um, athletes in a way where they can be a student athlete and also be a uh, a student. If that makes sense, where you know you got twenty hour rule about how much you can practice in in the off season, like when uh, you can have workout times and how often you can work out in the off season and, and things of that nature, and I'm I believe that if we get to an employment structure, um, certainly I I think that players would want to have a union to represent them and to maybe um, institute some similar rules. Uh, but also, if I'm bargaining on behalf of the universities, I'm gonna be like absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. Like yeah. if I'm paying you, I'm, I am getting the time that I desire out of you. And yeah. that's just the way that it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and so I, I'm curious to see what a negotiation like that would be as a student athlete. Wouldn't it be interesting if they were like, Hey, you know, uh, as a part of the CBA, we have carved out certain academic requirements of our student athletes. And if you miss X amount of classes, um, you know, in a semester, we could put you on probation. Then the next class that you missed after that, we could fire your ass. And then yeah. you're going to be you yeah. know, back home wherever you came from. And we don't have to pay you a single cent. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I'm curious what all of this looks like. And so I think that there's trepidation um, on the the just the structural side of it, because I think that there is a, a giving up of power once we acknowledge that we want to move to a, an employment structure within collegiate athletics. I also think that there's a side of this uh, if you're an athlete where maybe you start to open up a can of worms that uh, you don't want to dig into, because the one thing that I learned when I went to the NFL and was truly a professional um, is you start doing this quite often. That's oh, looking yeah. over your shoulder at the next guy uh, because you could be on the roster, uh, on, you know, today, and then they get rid of you. And if you don't make it uh, to that next Tuesday at 4 p.m. or whatever the number is, you don't have a guaranteed paycheck. And um, I could we get to a place where they're like, listen, we got, you know, we got dudes out here that are just enrolled in school just waiting for their opportunity to take somebody's job like i don't know how that works like it's it's a very interesting thing do you just completely go away from the idea that 
the employment is tied at all to the academic side of the institution. I feel like those are two really difficult things to try to marry. So yeah. I don't know. I'm 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 thinking out loud here. Uh, yeah. I just I think it's very complicated. And the one thing I do know is that they don't like to deal with complicated things. Yeah. And the other thing, like you just pointed out without saying it, the difference between the the difference between major college football and the NFL still is uh in major college football, we think you're still required to go to class and and show advancement toward a degree, you know. And I'm boy, I'd really like to put my head under that hood and see what the heck is going on in that regard with so many people jumping in the transfer portal and yet maintaining academic progress toward, you well, know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think a lot of these guys I don't are, think, are I don't, graduating. Yeah. So, which is unfortunate. If you don't yeah, get well, your, yeah. If you don't get your degree out of the deal, then you've really shortchanged yourself as a college athlete, in my opinion. What, what happens to transfers if, um, yeah, if we move to an employment structure? Yeah. Well, like because the, <laughs> right. Well, no, but I'm, I'm saying like the one thing I do know is I'm under contract right now at a couple of jobs. And if I want to yeah. leave early, they're going to ask me to pay back a portion of the money that they've given me. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. if I, if I want to pursue a different opportunity, it's going to come at a cost. Yeah. And then the question is, when do you get, when do you get your money? You know, do you get it beforehand or after it? You know what I mean? Right. It's like, yeah, no, dude, there's no way of putting this genie. This genie is just floating around. It's like Robin yeah. Williams free riffing, you know what I mean, on stage. He's on this side one minute, you know, the late Robin Williams, and next side the next, and he's talking in another accent. I mean, it's crazy. Last thing before we go, uh, uh, Monday night, as we record this, Monday night, uh, Washington, Michigan, was a showcase for the upcoming newly revamped, expanded, uh, in my opinion, in some respects, improved Big Ten going to 18 teams. You had Washington, which is coming in this year against Michigan, an old guard, an old blue blood of the Big Ten. Uh, the I think the Big Ten came out the big winner, finally, uh, despite, you know, Ohio State's problems and Penn State's problems in the bowls, et cetera, for examples. But uh, in Iowa, which didn't score a point. Uh, but well, what's your take? I mean, this Big Ten is is – heading boldly into the new era, isn't it? Yes. And it's going to be a really competitive conference. I think it's going to be, um, I think we're going to have matchups that will be phenomenal week in and week out, which is something that's exciting. And then uh, there's a big opportunity for um, the teams in the conference to be in the biggest spotlight toward the end of the year. Yeah. you know, like I, I just I think the idea of having a uh, a field where more Big Ten teams will be able to showcase what they can do toward the end of the year is going to be huge. And I know uh, you mentioned Penn State and you mentioned Ohio State. And I think that if um, Ohio State is playing um, with the, you know, uh, a full complement and what I mean is Marvin Harrison, Jr., is uh is in there and, and Kyle McCord doesn't feel like he has to leave right away. Um, you could have had an intriguing game or two in the initial rounds there. Um, and I think that's great for the sport. It's great to showcase the brand that way. Um point. I Good think point. that they're you know, like I I think it would have been intriguing for a Florida State this year for all the consternation that happened to uh, be able to get in and show if they could do something. Um, and so I think for, and I, I'm not a huge proponent of the the 12 team playoff, but the one thing I do enjoy is the sport of college football. So if you can entice me with more games that matter 
um, during bowl season, I'm always going to be here for that. Yeah. Amen. And uh, by the way, this time next year, you and I will be doing this and we'll be talking about those 13, 14 and 15, number 13, right. 14, 15 teams that, man, what could they have done if they'd have gotten in, you know? Yeah. I don't I think the fervor will quite that. be there is five versus four. Hey, uh, Joshua Perry, thank you once again for joining the Tim May show. And ladies and gentlemen, until next week, we'll see you then. Okay. Round two, name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.